Hello again. Welcome to Tell Me. On today's episode, I'm sitting down with Melissa King, who you may know as the winner of Bravo's Top Chef All-Stars, Los Angeles, Season 17. She was also the winner of All-Stars Fan Favorite. Melissa is thought to be one of the best female chefs in San Francisco. She is just a fantastic person all around. She does so much with her advocacy for the LGBTQIA community, and she does a lot of work. She has virtual cooking classes. She does so many different things. She's a really interesting person, has a great personal story, and I think she's really inspiring, especially to young people. Her journey has been documented on Top Chef in little pieces, but there's something about her. She's just a very special person. I loved my conversation with her, and I hope you enjoy this episode of Tell Me. Is your child struggling with a specific subject or need help with homework? Are they asking questions that you're not sure you can fully answer? IXL Learning is an online learning program for kids. It covers math, language arts, science, and social studies. IXL is designed. This program will improve your kids' grades. Studies done in almost every state in the country. The kids who had IXL are consistently doing better. Powered by advanced algorithms, IXL gives the right help to each kid no matter the age or personality. And it doesn't have to eat up all your time time. One subscription gets you everything for all the kids in your home, pre-K to 12th grade. So don't miss out. One in four students in the U.S. are learning with IXL. IXL is used in 95 of the top 100 school districts in the U.S. Make an impact on your child's learning. Get IXL now. And listeners can get an exclusive 20% off IXL membership when they sign up today at IXL.com audio. Visit IXL.com audio to get the most effective learning program out there at the best price. Hey, Ellen. Great to meet you. Thank you so much for doing this. So excited to meet you. Of course. Same here. So tell me, what do you want to talk about today? Because there's so much that you do. I mean, overachiever in the best possible way. <laughs> okay, let's just talk about food first. Sure. My favorite topic. One of my favorite topics also. One of the most moving, I would say, scenes or episodes. When you made the Italian food, and that guy cried. It was so moving. I cried a lot when I found out about that. And it was a really special moment. I mean, Top Chef All-Stars in general was an incredible experience for me. But being able to make someone cry through food, for me, I felt so validated in that moment. It just really like solidified, like, this is why I do what I love. And this is why, you know, all that hard work and passion that I put into becoming a chef it all kind of paid out in that moment. So I'm so glad that it was captured on TV for people to watch. It was such a memorable moment of my life. Yeah, I mean, so much of your performances on Top Chef are so moving. You know, when you cook with your mom, your mom actually got way more props than you, I think, for her custard. People are super into your mom. When you speak about your dad, you know, you have this presence and this way about you that is just so lovely to watch your journey. Thank you. So one thing that kind of bugs me about the food world right now, and I haven't traveled a lot because of COVID, but I've noticed here in Los Angeles specifically, the food is not the same. It's not my imagination. Mm -hmm. What is going on? How has COVID affected the restaurant scene in your opinion? It's been very, uh, you know, tragic what's happened over, I mean, for everyone, every industry, but specifically the restaurant world has taken a huge hit from day one of COVID. And 
you know, from having to just change the entire experience of dining. You know, you don't have that hospitality and that connection that you would have when you patron a restaurant and you're serviced just the traditional way. So, you know, seeing everything kind of move to DoorDash and Postmates and, you know, having to order and deliver, that's, you know, creatively it's stifling for restaurants. But yeah, I think you're seeing the restaurant industry get hit pretty hard. So do you think it's a financial burden so they're not able to have the same ingredients, they're not able to buy the same quality of stuff? It's all of the above. You know, the margins for restaurants are so slim to begin with, even when pre-pandemic. And then now, you know, for a time, it was like 50% capacity and zero capacity and all of these crazy rules and, you know, not being able to have the headcount come into a restaurant to financially support the staff. That's a big blow. And to... Yeah, now kind of adapt everything to these delivery services where they do take a large fee away from the restaurants. So I think luckily there's been a lot of patience and support and understanding from people out there that are supporting restaurants. I myself do not have a restaurant. So, you know, at times I'm like, I can't fully speak upon the experience because I'm not in it. But I do have so many friends, personal friends that have had to close their restaurants down and, you know, are really going through it at the moment. Have you ever wanted to have a restaurant? I've wanted a restaurant since I was a kid. You know, I've been cooking since I was five or six. I've always had an interest in food, a passion for food. And I remember the dream was to have a restaurant. But I think over the years, I've realized that I could still be a successful chef and not have a restaurant. And that's okay. And there's nothing wrong about that. I think going this untraditional route, I actually take pride in and I find success in other ways and being able to touch people through my food, through whether it's virtual cooking classes or brand partnerships or events. I'm working on a book at the moment, so that's going to be a fun way to get my food out there. So I do feel that there's hope for people out there that, you know, may not have the means to open a restaurant or perhaps don't want to take that financial hit as well. It's also just a completely different set of skills Mm -hmm. when you speak about it. And I think about it in terms of like I have a, a lot of friends who are hairdressers and they're very creative, but they don't necessarily want to be a business owner. Mm-hmm. So I think mm-hmm. it's important to recognize that a lot of creative people just don't have the desire to run a business because running a business and cooking food are two completely different things. Mm-hmm. And the truth is, if you owned a restaurant, you wouldn't get to spend as much time cooking as you probably like to do or want to do. That's true. That's very true. Half of your time would be spent managing people. You're in the office. <laughs> You're like yeah, on a in computer the in the office. Exactly. So I could see where, especially you, you're such a creative person and like to do so many things. I could completely understand why you would not want a restaurant. (laughs) Although I stay entrepreneurial in many other ways. You know, I've started sort of a sauce line and a merch line and kind of dabbling into other categories, even, you know, perhaps producing, you know, culinary producing. So there's so many other avenues that I think keep me excited and keep me flexible. And I think your whole platform is such a better service in all of those different areas, being out there with your platform and doing all these different things and showing people that there are so many ways to be a chef. There are so many ways to be an entrepreneur. Absolutely. So what is your sauce line? Oh, it's uh, called King Sauce and it's like a chili crunch fish sauce caramel. It was actually a lot of sauces that I created on the All-Star season. 
And it actually kind of was birthed through COVID. (laughs) A lot of the direction of my career at the moment has been birthed through the beginning of COVID. You know, when COVID hit, I overnight lost all my gigs as far as events and any sort of people facing opportunities. And so I had to learn to adapt and you know, again, be flexible and find ways, other avenues to create. And so creating a sauce line was one of the many like directions that I did go with it all. But equally rewarding, you know, being able to, again, put my food out there and have a way for people to taste a little bit of what I'm doing, <laughs> mm-hmm. what I'm creating. Yeah, I think that's great. So I do a lot of cooking when I have the time. What do you make? What are your like specialties? Pasta is my specialty. I grew up in a very Italian house. Love it. I'm jealous. I'm a really good cook, but I'm terrible cooking Asian food. Any kind of Asian food, I'm really bad at. I much prefer to just order out. Oh, well, I'm going to sign you up for my virtual cooking classes. (laughs) I would love... So my daughter... My 12-year-old loved virtual cooking classes over COVID. Like, she was doing them all the time, and she absolutely loves them. So that, too, I think is so important for young people to be able to access, have access to you, and you teaching them how to cook is just incredible. So thank you for doing that, because I know that my daughter definitely feels so good when she's cooking and when she's on a virtual class. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Yeah. I mean, my virtual classes, you know, really, again, started through the pandemic as well and wanting to find a way to just reach people through food. And so I started a mapo tofu class and a dumpling class, kanji, all these sort of home style Cantonese cuisines or dishes that you can make at home, but empowering you to have that confidence to explore the Asian pantry and go to an Asian supermarket. And so I found it very rewarding and I've been able to tie multiple charities to the classes and give back there as well. So it really, it was honestly Top Chef and that whole experience of switching from restaurants to television and kind of being more of this public person was where I realized I have a voice and I need to use it. And it's important that everything that I do and create and touch makes an impact somewhere. And so that's always been my philosophy now moving forward. So yeah, I just, I feel very blessed to be in this position to speak out as an Asian queer woman in this industry. Yeah, I think it's fantastic. And it's, it's a comfortable place once you feel like I have this platform and I know that this is what I want to do with it. You know, you're not confused. You know that you want to use it to help people. Mm-hmm. I know one of the organizations you support is Trevor Project, mm-hmm. which is right here in Hollywood. Yeah, I've given back to so many over the past two years. A lot started with 
the fan favorite winnings that I won on Top Chef. I gave back $10,000, like all of the winnings to the Trevor Project, AYC Asian Youth Center in Los Angeles was another one. They are just a wonderful organization down there that I try to support. There's one up here, Asian Pacific Islanders of Northern California, and they support queer Asian youth. And that's always been very important to me to give back to the youth and give back to any queer communities. Again, you know, I'm just I'm a very multidimensional person and I feel, you know, any way I can give back to the people that have always supported me, that's the direction I'm going to go. <laughs> yeah, I think one of the most heartwarming stories is the story of you and your dad coming back together. You've been very open about your dad not being so supportive of your career or your lifestyle. So how's your dad doing? I love that you persevered and I love that I mean, you let him take his time. Yeah. And you seemed very non-judgmental of him, even though you possibly felt judged by him. You kept such an open heart and let the energy flow as it had to. And there's a happy ending to that story. And I'm really happy about that for you. Thank you. I mean, it's amazing that you're even catching all of those details of a show that, you know, you see like 10 minutes of reality and of my storyline anyways. And, you know, what you see on the show is very accurate representation of what happens in our lives and the stories through it all. But yeah, it's been a journey with my father and, and with my family in general. I think growing up in a very traditional Chinese household, there's a lot of expectations of who you should be and the type of career you should have. You know, again, I've wanted to cook since I was five and no one believed me. It was like one of those moments where I was like, I want to be a chef. <laughs> like, just let me do my thing. I know in my heart that this is my passion and my dream. And so it took many years to sort of gain the family support there. And my mother has always been very wonderful and supportive, but even she had doubts of, you know, is this really what you want to do? And, you know, why why would you take on a job where it's so stressful? You're working every night, every weekend, every holiday. You never get a day off. You're working for others. And I think it just took time, really, and especially with my father, with every category of, you know, whether I was being a chef or whether I was openly gay, that took time. And it took a lot of open conversations with each other in order to grow into who we are today. And so I'm actually like very close with my father. This is the closest I've been to him now than ever. And I feel very grateful for that. And, you know, having that experience evolve through what you saw on Top Chef with the first season and the all-star season, you know, you really do see the evolution of my life on screen and it's all very real and raw. But I'm, I'm grateful it was out there and hopefully it can impact someone else's life that might be in the same position and they can feel that there is hope out there and there is acceptance and love and everything's going to be okay, you know? <laughs> so to that point, what advice maybe would you give to young people who don't have parents who are accepting? I think for myself anyways, I know that I lived a lot of my life trying to please them. And you actually see that happen on screen. And yeah, it was constant. You know, every decision that I made, I'm like, I'm going to like prove to them. And it always revolved around their opinion. But once I let go of that, and once I realized it's not about them, it's about me and it's about my happiness and my life, that was where I felt the most free. 
And that was where I felt, you know, end of the day, you should live your life for you and everything else will kind of come around. But again, it does take a lot of open discussions and willingness to talk to each other and be open and honest with feelings and also understand, at least for me, with my own parents, I had to understand that there is a learning curve. They come from a different time, a different generation. My parents immigrated here from Hong Kong and Shanghai. So there was a lot of these just very raw conversations of like, this is who I am. This is how I feel. I'm not going to change. And they luckily, you know, are very accepting over time. But I do think living your life for you is the most important. I think it's important to also mention the journey. Of course, we would all love parents to accept them mm -hmm. right off the bat. That goes without saying. But there's something to be said for the process, too. Like You had to keep trying to please your parents mm -hmm. to get to the place where you realized you didn't need to do that anymore. You know, everything is a process. And I think that the process deserves credit. Absolutely. In this specific instance, like I said, if you could get to A to Z and your parents could accept you in five minutes, obviously that's the best case scenario. Mm -hmm. But if that is not the case... And of course, I can't speak to being gay or coming out to my parents, but I can speak to just the word process. Mm -hmm. And not everything goes the way you want it to go or you envisioned it to go. But you do learn from that journey of getting to where you want to be. Absolutely. Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. For parents as well, I think for people who have children, it's really a concept for some people that you make these people and you want to make them in your image or you want them to be who you think they should be. And it does take a specific set of, I don't know if it's emotional resiliency or, or letting go or freeing yourself from your ideas and beliefs about what your child, this person that you brought into the world, what you think they should be. And that really involves a real letting go and saying, well, you're your own person and you have to be free to be the person that you want to be, not what I envisioned for you. Absolutely. It's certainly the process. And I think for me, it was also the understanding that no one is perfect. You know, everyone will make mistakes. 
maybe say the wrong thing from time to time. And forgiveness is also very important as well, at least throughout my journey of life and the experiences I've gone through. But I do have several friends and personal friends that don't have a relationship with their family members or their parents. And that's okay too, because they found their own family elsewhere. And I think the idea of a chosen family is so important. You know, you can find communities out there that will love and accept you and make your own family. You know, there's nothing wrong with letting go of the family you were born into and finding, you know, new people out there that will embrace you. And I did that myself with my own journey, you know, especially moving here in San Francisco. I found just an incredible community of people that were like-minded and understood me. And there was no judgment, as you mentioned. And that was a huge step in my life journey. That's a great point to bring up, that family doesn't necessarily just mean blood. Mm -hmm. Family looks like all different kinds of things. And there are places like the Trevor Project, Glesson. There are lots of organizations out there that if you don't feel like you have family support, there are plenty of resources for young people, places you can go and try to find your tribe and connect with people who are like-minded for sure. Find your tribe. I love that. Yeah. So, okay. So I have to ask you, and you may not want to answer this, and that's okay. (laughs) What's your favorite restaurant in Los Angeles? Um, (laughs) I think it depends what style of food you're looking for. But for me, I really enjoy Kato, K-A-T-O. And that's run by my friend John Yao. It's out, I believe, in Santa Monica, somewhere on the west side. And he's doing modern Taiwanese, like a modern Taiwanese tasting menu. And he has Michelin star. He's an incredibly young, talented chef. But I've never, for me, I've never seen anyone do food that way, especially Asian food, and to just elevate it to the next level. But yet the flavors are very comforting and nostalgic and homey for me. And I could take my mom there and she'll enjoy it and understand it, but kind of see this new twist to it. So Cato, I think, is just doing a fantastic job with their food. Have you been there before? I haven't, you know, but I definitely am going to go now. Yeah, we should go. (laughs) Yeah, I have a couple of real foodie friends and they live down in Long Beach. And when they come up, it's about food. Luckily for me, Titi's dad makes pho. And so sometimes we go out to eat, but sometimes Titi will bring her dad's pho up. There we go. And that is really something special for sure. Oh, yeah. Especially Los Angeles. It's such a diverse food city. What's your best Italian food place? In L.A. specifically? hmm Oh, wow. You know what? I don't think I've been to enough. I mean, you know, there's John and Vinny. There's, there's a cute little place called Jones the other day that I went to a few months ago. Oh, Felix was great in Venice. Okay, okay. Have you been to Rosso Blue? I have, yes. That's great, too. I forgot about that one. I love Rosso Blue. I love Ebaldi or Giorgio Baldi. I haven't been to that one. There's two locations. Giorgio Baldi is sort of on the west side in the Palisades. Mm-hmm. And then Ebaldi is in Beverly Hills. It's really good. Do you ever make it up to San Francisco? We have some good Italian food up here, too. I've been to San Francisco a few times, of course. And it's always sort of for work. And I'm kind of in and out. I've never really spent any real time there. But there is an amazing, there's a super famous Chinese restaurant, which I'm sure there's like, you know, every famous Chinese restaurant in San Francisco. That's a lot. Uh, Yang Sing. Mm-mm. It's like a dim sum spot. Oh, I love dim sum. I used to get dim sum all the time in New York City when I lived there. 
you got to go to San Gabriel. The San Gabriel Valley is just, that's the place to go if you want really great Szechuan food, dim sum, Cantonese cuisine. Mm -hmm. There's every pocket of Chinese food down there in that area. Yeah. Now that my kids are a little bit older, it's easier to travel with them. Yeah. I had some littles for a minute there and, you know, there's a lot of car seats and diapers and (laughs) It's kind of <laughs> kind of a lot a lot of moving parts to travel. But now that they're little people and they have their little backpacks, I definitely want to take them up to San Francisco. I was just having a conversation about Sausalito with a coworker of mine. He went up there for the weekend. He went to some jazz club. He was talking about I don't know the name of it, but it's a jazz club in a Chinese restaurant. Do you know this? In a Chinese restaurant. There's one in a Japanese restaurant called Yoshi's. Oh, maybe it's Japanese. Maybe that's it. That might be the one. Yeah. Yes. I worked there briefly. Oh, ooh, did you? <laughs> like six months of my career, I worked at, at Yoshi's at one point in life. <laughs> well, speaking of Japanese food, have you been to Sushi Park here in Los Angeles? I have not, no. Oh my goodness, you have. Where's that at? It's in Hollywood in a strip mall on Sunset Boulevard. It's always the strip malls. That's where the best food is. It's always the strip malls. And if you come to LA, call me and I will take you there. Oh, we're going because Kato's in a strip mall. So we're going to Kato and then we're going to do a little sushi park. Okay, let's do it. Yeah, I like that plan. I'm super excited. <laughs> Can we switch to what do you wash your face with? Like, because oh, this isn't like on video. I know it's just audio, but the skin is like on another level. I can't handle it. What do you wash your face with? I need to know everything. All your beauty routine. Is that too... Is that too surface stuff to talk about because your skin's glowing? No, not at all. I love talking about skincare. Okay. Um, <laughs> I'm very simple as far as cleansers. I literally just use Cetaphil because my skin is very sensitive. It's very dry, but it's just such a natural cleanser, like very easy. Yeah, people love Cetaphil. They yeah, love you it. don't want to do anything too harsh on your skin. And then my moisturizers, I use Eminence, which is like a natural organic product. And then I have some Korean products as well that I use that I don't know the names of (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that are fantastic though. Yeah. Like the eye creams are really nice. Yeah. Your skin is gorgeous. But I'm, I'm big on moisturizing. I just constantly have dry skin. I know. It's because we live in this California. Yeah. Is it dry up there too in San Francisco? It's a little bit more humid. You know, we have so much fog here, so that rolls through. So it's a bit more humid than SoCal. Right. My kids would probably love in San Francisco if like, I took them as that Ghirardelli's chocolate. Oh, it's the best. You have to go. To me, that's such a nostalgic... My grandfather lived in San Francisco, and when we were kids, we would always go there mm-hmm. and just you know get the big ice cream sundae or a banana split. You said you wanted to cook since you were five years old. What introduced you to cooking? Like, how did you get that idea? A lot of it was honestly just the necessity of having to put food on the table. My mom was a working mom. Both my parents were out, you know, until 6 p.m. at night. And when my mom came home, she had to switch gears and, you know, become a mom and and put food on the table. And so that one hour between 6 p.m. to 7 p.m. was my time to just hang out with her and spend time in the kitchen. And so I grew an interest in cooking just really simple Cantonese home-style dishes. I was basically my mom's sous chef, and I would, you know, steam rice and wash the vegetables and just prepare everything so that when she came home, we could turn the fire on and actually do the real cooking together. And over time, I think by the age of maybe 12, I was putting dinner on the table for the family. 
And I just, I didn't want my mom to have to worry about that coming home. And then I also watched a lot of, I was obsessive about cooking shows, Mm -hmm. like Julia Child and Martin Yan, and just, you know, seeing this woman on TV and cooking and and this Asian man making dishes that were so nostalgic for me. That was a really powerful moment in time. And I just started buying a lot of cookbooks and became obsessed with food. And then by the time I was in high school, I begged to go to culinary school after and they wouldn't let me. My parents were like, no, you need to go to a real college and go to you know a traditional school. So I got my degree at UC Irvine in cognitive science. And then after I graduated, I went to New York for culinary school and got to live my dream. Never turned back. <laughs> It's funny that your parents, like, watching you grow up cooking, were so surprised. I saw that clip where you told the story about telling your mother you wanted to go to CIA. And she was like, they thought it was just a hobby. Yeah. You want to be a spy? And you were like, no, Mom, Culinary Institute. (laughs) She, like, didn't understand what that was. And, yeah, I think for them, they just thought it would be a hobby and that, you know, later in life I'd become a doctor or something like that. Because that's so easy. I know, right? (laughs) Do something easy and, you know, like be a doctor. (laughs) TikTok food makes me crazy when I see people doing like the craziest things. I'm old fashioned. I haven't even signed up for TikTok. I feel like this old lady that's just refusing to do it. (laughs) I mean, listen, there are some like creative things that are cute that I'll make for the kids. Like I saw something the other day that was really cute. Like, Someone made cinnamon rolls, like homemade cinnamon rolls, and they cut the roll up in slices and then put all the slices in a pie pan and sort of made an apple pie with a cinnamon roll crust instead of just like a pie crust. I would eat that. That sounds great. (laughs) I have a big sweet tooth. I have such a big sweet tooth. Do you love like junk food? I grew up with so much junk food. I'm a child of the 80s. Everything was in a can or frozen. I grew up on so much processed foods, which, yeah, you name it, I've eaten it. And so later in life, you know, especially through my 20s, I started eating better and changing my diet, especially moving to San Francisco. Everything's, you know, farm fresh. And I I go to the farmer's market once or twice a week and source everything locally. So that's very important to me. So, yeah, I've I've kind of adapted more of a plant-based diet at home. And then out in the world, I eat whatever I want (laughs) on my day offs. But yeah, I tend to eat a lot of vegetables. Do you know what I would love to learn how to make? What? There's this Thai food place that I go to that's a local place, and they have the best vegan chicken wings. Vegan chicken wings. They have spicy or not. What's it made of? I don't know, but I've seen people on TikTok make vegan chicken wings, and I would love to learn how to make vegan chicken wings. It's probably just easier to just buy them, you know, and to make that, I don't know, is it seitan? Like, I'm not sure what the protein is. I have no idea, honestly, what what a lot of that stuff is made of. Are you a vegan or do you have dietary restrictions? Do you eat everything? I do. I eat everything. Love it. And I try to be very mindful of not eating too many animal products. I kind of stay away from dairy. I have a little bit Mm -hmm. of an ice cream addiction, which is not good for me. Same. (laughs) I'm very similar. (laughs) I can't keep it in the house or I'll eat the whole pint. That's exactly it. Like I just can't have it in the house. And I'm obsessed with these Mexican popsicles. I think they're called helados. Do you know these? 
I don't know the name, but yes, I know what you're talking about. And they make this like pecan flavor and they make mango and coconut. But I did grow up in like a sort of very immigrant Italian house and neighborhood. And, you know, we ate rabbit and we had chickens in the backyard and oh, I love everything sort of came from the backyard. I've always wanted to be a part of a big Italian family where we just have like crazy dinners. <laughs> yeah. Is your family that way where you, there's just constant food? Yeah. I mean, everywhere I looked when I grew up, you know, but there's American Italians and then there's, you know, Italian Italians, mm -hmm. which are, you know, vastly different, of course. And you're Italian American or Italian Italian? I'm actually Irish Italian American, but my neighbors were Italian immigrants, first generation. So their cooking was really authentic and really just amazing and delicious. And that's the rabbit and all that stuff. But then, of course, I grew up and had a lot of neighbors and friends who were American Italian, you know, and you have like spaghetti and meatballs and all that forget about it stuff. <laughs> so good. You know what I love is, have you watched Stanley Tucci's show? A little bit. Yes. It's beautiful. Yeah. I think he's just done such a fantastic job with that. It makes me miss traveling. <laughs> me too. You know? It made me miss Italy so yeah. much because we haven't been able to go in so long. I didn't know that all those windows, he did an episode in Florence and I never knew that the windows that you see in Florence, did you see that episode? No, I didn't. Well, there's like these little windows when you walk down the street, there's small little windows like next to the door of the restaurant, whatever. They used to use them to serve wine. So you could just stand on the street and order a glass of wine through the window. And I never knew that. <laughs> I love I've that. seen the windows and then I saw in that episode, I was like, oh my goodness. So European right there. Yeah. Constant wine flow everywhere. You open the windows and there's a glass of wine. <laughs> it's so true. I love any show where they travel to Italy and cook and talk about the food. And did you ever read that book, Real Food, Fake Food, where they talk about counterfeit food? No. It's this amazing book where they talk about how they counterfeit food, like how they make fake truffles, how they manufacture a counterfeit Parmesan stamp. So they can make cheese. Oh, do you know this book I'm speaking about? I haven't read the book, but I do know the concept of like fake honey coming from China. Like there's so many counterfeit products out there, especially when you mentioned the Parmesan. When we were in Parma for the Top Chef finale, they talked us through that mm -hmm. about how there's a lot of counterfeit Parmesan out there in the world that you got to watch out for. Yeah. It's wild. Counterfeit truffles are crazy. Like, what do you mean? Like, how do they do that? <laughs> Have you ever been to like Bologna or Tuscany mm -hmm. and seen the wild boar in the fields and they look for truffles? Yes, I've gone truffle, white truffle hunting twice, once on Top Chef All Stars and then once just with friends in Tuscany. And yeah, there was actually these little dogs. They say that the pigs will eat it though, like if they find it. So oh, yeah, they, they will eat it and they will eat you. Those <laughs> pigs are very aggressive. Those wild boar are aggressive. Chingale, I think they call them. Yes. But uh, Italy, that was one of the last places I went to before we closed down. Was it? I don't know when the last time I went to Italy was. It's nice to go in the winter at Christmas because they're so religious. Oh, yeah. They have so much faith and the way they decorate for Christmas. And I enjoy Italy in the winter. My kids probably wouldn't. They probably just <laughs> assume wait till it's warmer. They're like, let's go to Hawaii. <laughs> Yeah. I haven't had great food experiences in Hawaii. Have you? You know, it's getting better. There's this rise of, you know, a lot of amazing chefs coming out of Maui and Oahu in that area. So 
Yeah, I think you should go back. You should check it out. That is one thing. As much as I love sushi and I love fish, I really do try to be mindful of not eating a lot of fish anymore. Not just for the mercury, but just for the oceans. Yeah, I try to be mindful of, you know, there's actually like a seafood watch list that you can probably look up online and it'll tell you all the fishes that you should and shouldn't be eating which ones are being overfished and which ones are more sustainable. Oh, okay. So there there are some options out there. Yeah. Do you like uni? I love uni. Yeah. I've never, like, I don't appreciate it. I've had it in Greece before, you know, like super fresh out of the ocean. Yeah, that's the best way. Yeah, and that, I understood that. Mm -hmm. But somehow... I mean, there's good and bad uni out there in the world. Right. Like you said, it's it's the freshness of like how soon it comes out of the water. And and it also is dependent on which waters it comes from. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like wine. You know, you can really taste the terroir and like the minerality of what oceans that the uni has come from. Yeah, the food in Greece is really fresh. I mean, that's some of the freshest food I've ever had. I got in trouble at the airport. I don't know if I almost got arrested. I don't know what they were going to do to me. But I brought back all these potatoes. My sister used to live in Greece. Potatoes. (laughs) So I used to go visit her all the time. And my sister's mother-in-law, or ex-mother-in-law now, made these like amazing potatoes, right? She made like lamb and potatoes. And these potatoes, like it was like a religious experience. So, of course, she grew them and, you know, grew the olives that the olive oil came from. And and so I had to have the olive oil and I had to have the potatoes. But, you know, of course, you can't bring agriculture back into the country. That's like a big no-no. But I don't know. I thought I was slick or some shit. And, like, I just decided that I was going to, like, be a potato smuggler. And I had, like, a bag of potatoes. And they got you, right? Did they catch you? That dog, that little cute little puppy dog at the airport came right up to me. I was like, what's in that bag? And I was like, shit. I got caught. (laughs) And I had to literally stand there and just throw the potatoes in the trash can at the airport, which is just like heartbreaking. I mean, that's heartbreaking to just like the best potatoes you'll ever have. And and I had to do the deed myself and throw them away. (laughs) (laughs) I'm similar to you where I will travel with like a cooler bag anywhere that I go. And I try to pick up any regional ingredients and sneak them in the bag, at least nationally. And then internationally, from time to time, I might have snuck a, a little charcuterie here and there from Italy. Mm-hmm. Not going to lie. <laughs> yeah, me too. Me too. Might the, have worked. All the homemade. Uh, we have so many friends in Italy that make the most amazing salami. Ah, oh, the salumis, yeah. I've smuggled the a salami. Let it be known. <laughs> <laughs> wow, this was fun. So tell me about your online cooking classes so that I can go on one. Oh, yeah. All my classes are recorded. So anytime you want to catch one, you can just sign on and and catch it on demand and cook at your own leisure. And so all of those classes are up on my website at chefmelissaking.com. And I hope people out there have a chance to join and um, explore some Asian food. I think that it's so good for the kids. It's so fun. Is there like an ingredient list? There is. The ingredient list is also on the website? It's also on the website and you'll see the ingredient list. You sign up, you prep out your ingredients ahead of time. And then when you log in, we cook together and we cook together for about an hour. And there's a Q&A session together where you can ask me anything. And there's also a chat bar where you can ask me questions in live time. And I can answer. I'm basically your phone a friend chef. 
<laughs> and you'll be virtually <laughs> in the kitchen with me. It's really fun and interactive, and a lot of people pull in their children to join the classes and cook together. I would say the most child-friendly class I have is the Dutch pancake class. That's like a winner Ooh, for Sunday nice. mornings, Dutch pancakes. It's a really fun class and such a crowd-pleasing dish. Amazing. Well, I have to say, you know, really thank you. This time was so fun to share with you. Thank you. And one of the reasons for me doing this podcast was just to have conversations with people that I admire and wanted to just talk to and feel their energy. So today you did not disappoint. Like I'm super <laughs> grateful that I have this platform today and that I get to do this and call it work. And I love what you do. It's so important. Thank you so much. And I'm I'm really honored to know you. Same here. This has been so much fun. And it's, again, such a blessing to be a part of these experiences and connect with each other. So thank you so much for having me. This has been great. And I'll see you next time. We're going to cook together. We're going to cook together. <laughs> We're going to eat together. Making friends. Yeah. Make some friends. Have a great weekend, Melissa. You too. Take care. Thank you so much. Bye. Bye. Bye.